And um, today, uh, you know, I, I wore especially my nice green shirt, you know, because our title today is The Light is Green. The Light is Green. It's part of a series called It's Time, and we want you to get going in a relationship with God, in a journey with God that's going to lead to life change. Not only your life to change, but people's lives around you to change because of your influence. And so we're going to talk about what that means for us today. But how many of you've like sat in, how many of you've driven in Houston? Come on, hands up if you've driven in Houston. Man, where are those people going? They're in a hurry, aren't they? <laughs> it feels like driving around in Joburg. Um, everybody's in a hurry. And you don't know where they're going, but you know, they're in a hurry to go wherever they're needing to go. And if you're like me, I- I'm more of a, you know, I'm more like a you know, I like being on the beach and I surf and, you know, stuff like that. So life kind of happens a little slower for me. And uh, so driving in Houston, I haven't had that many people honk the, their, their hooters at me <laughs> in life this last trip I went to Houston. And, um, but have you ever sat behind that guy at the stop street, you know, or at the, at the light, the traffic light, and it turned green and then nothing happened? And then you're like, man, I'm really trying to be, stay a Christian right now. So but I'm just going to give a little, you know, and then because of the kind of the frustration, you end up going, and you want to say, you're sorry, but the guy in front of you, you know, there's no hand signals that we use these days anymore. So you just go like, oh, whatever, you know, and then you keep, well, that guy in the front, that's me. Most of the time, <laughs> it's you too, Chuck. Yeah. And so I'll be staring at that green light contemplating the deeper meaning of what green means to a person in life. And then my wife will be go, go, go. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then by that time, it's already, you know, honked at me and all that. Um, but anyway, so sometimes I'm that guy who needs to get a little uh, encouragement to go. And so if you need encouragement to go, so do I. Don't worry, you're in good company. But we're going to get going because 2020 is going to be awesome, amen? amen? Come on, it's going to be amazing. And so... Um, we really want to, want, to, want to lead you guys along a journey of, of life change. Um, our church is all about helping people know God intimately. And um, man, there is such, there is such a, a, a companionship, a camaraderie, a fellowship to be found in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I know we're living in a religious environment where people have known Christianity, you know, from birth. But I wonder if you've known friendship with Jesus. I wonder if you've known companionship with your father. Knowing what it means and what it is like to walk with him through everything. Talk to him about everything. And having that security settle in your heart that you are known and loved nonetheless and cared for nonetheless. And he has a plan for your life even though he knows exactly who you are. He knows all your flaws, and yet He still loves you the most of any being around. And so there is such a great relationship to be walked in with, and, 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 and I want you to experience that. I want you to know the forgiveness of God. I want you to know the pardon of God. I want you to know the love of God, but I also want you to know the power of God. You know, there's enough grace in, there's enough place, space in the grace of God for each and every one of your failures. You cannot out the grace of God. It will not run out on you. 
It is new every single morning for you to walk in. But you know what we often don't hear is, we don't hear this, there's also enough power in the grace of God to help you overcome sin, to make you strong enough to say no. There's enough power in the grace of God to empower you to victory. And I want you to know that power. I want you to know what it's like to be able to say no to sin, not from a position of, oh man, I don't get to sin no more. I wish I could go out and party and get drunk and have sex all the way everywhere, but I don't get to do that anymore. Man, there is a whole different way of thinking and living and, 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 believe and, and experiencing Christianity. And it's a place where you do not feel like you don't get to do those things anymore, but where you realize, man, I have no desire to do any of that junk anymore. My full and honest desire is to pursue everything that God has for me. God wants to change your want to in 2020. And He wants your heart to align with His. Allow us to lead you there. Allow us to show you what it takes to, to build such a relationship with God because it's just amazing. And um, that type of intimacy with, with God is something that people miss out on in a large section of Christianity because they, they, they don't realize that that's what they were created for. And so it's enough for them to just be saved and go to heaven and then go through ritual for the rest of it. But we say, no, there's much more to be found in God. In fact, um, it's amazing if you think about the angels. The Bible depicts this picture of the angels around God's throne um, uh, 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 worshiping Him, and, and then they're flying around God's throne, and then one will shout, holy, and then all the others will echo, holy, holy, holy. Now, the, imagine, imagine uh, uh, LSU Stadium chanting, LSU, LSU. You imagine that kind of a setting and the angels and the host of heavenly beings around the throne of God going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know why they shout that? They shout that because the word holy means to be different, to be set apart, to be fresh and new. It means every single time one of them shouts holy, it's because they discover something new about God that's different from what's around him. That's better, that's more, that's superior to what is around them. And so every single time they discover that, their natural response is to say, holy. And then when they shout that, he points to it. He says, holy God. And then everybody goes, wow, holy, holy. And it's just this chorus, this chant of just beings just worshiping, adoring. Why? Because worship is essentially just a response to revelation. It's when you realize something about God. Man, God came through and provided for you. Wow, Jesus, you're a provider. Holy are you. God came through and healed you. Wow, you're a healer. You protected me in a car wreck or something. And, and, and you realize in that moment the, 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 the truth of God's, uh, that aspect of it becomes a reality to you. And that just triggers in you that response of thanksgiving to adore that aspect of God. And that is what worship is. It's a, it's a rhythm. It's revelation. It's response. It's revelation. It's response. And so when you ever feel yourself in a place where you feel a little stale in your worship, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm just singing the song. I'm not really telling the song to God. I'm not really with these words adoring Him. I'm just singing the words. It's because probably you need a revelation of what those words really mean. You really need a, it needs to become real to you. And so your intentional seeking after God to find Him 
as a provider, to find him as a protector, as a companion, as a, as a help. All of that, your intentionality, that's what I was saying. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He'll reveal himself to you. And that just triggers worship. It just makes your worship every day fresh. And so I want to encourage you with that to, um, to get going in this, this year. Um, how many of you have got those little notes papers? Just wave them at me. All the notes papers. Okay, if you don't have one, you want one, you're welcome to just indicate and the ushers will bring one to you. Here's why we hand that out. Big revelation. Paper doesn't forget. Amazing, right? So guess what? You'll have forgotten 95% of everything that I've said next week when you sit in that same seat. But if you have a little paper and you recorded a little bit of what I said, you will never forget what I said. And in fact, if God speaks to you between the lines, you know, I'm saying one thing, but he's actually tapping on your shoulder, and he says like, well, that applies to this. You better write that down. Write it down. And you know what? We have these papers. We also have binders at guest services. So why don't you just make a new habit this year? Start. Get these little note papers. Get them into that folder or that binder. And then as you go through the week, just in your worship time, your personal time with Jesus, just review that. Just think through what was said to you. Because the Bible wants us to not just be listeners of the Word. Amen? Amen? God wants us to be doers of the Word. And if you forgot what, what you heard, son, well, tomorrow morning you'll already have forgotten 70% of what was said to you today. That's truth. And so if you review it, you get to retain more of it. The, much of how, the more you put in your mind and retain in your mind, the more that influences your activity, the more it influences how you do life. And, and we want you to really live out this thing called Christianity in a practical way. So get, do that with us. Do that with us. Write things down. Um, the girls call it journaling. If that's, if that's too ladylike for you boys, let's just call it documenting, okay? But do it. Document what the Lord is telling you to do and get going on doing it. The t- it's time to go. The light is green. Amen. All right, let me, let me start reading some scripture. In Luke 9, I'm reading four verses, uh, five verses from verse 57. And Jesus is talking, uh, it's, it's, it's about the disciples that was following Jesus. On the, on the road, someone asked him if he could go along. He said, I'll go with you wherever. And Jesus was curt. Curt just means straightforward. He said, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Jesus was basically just telling this guy, look, following me is not a call to luxury and comfort. Following me is a call to mission. Following me is a call to, to, to extend yourself beyond yourself, to live not just for you. And it might take you to places that's not comfortable, but you know what? God's plan for your life has got to do with way more than your comfort. It's all about your character. God wants to build your character. Why? Because He wants you to become like His Son. He saved you not just so that you can go to heaven. He actually saved you so that you can become like Jesus. Because He wants your relationship with Jesus to translate into rulership with Him. He wants us to become leaders, rulers with Him. He's not called the King of what? For no reason. King of? All right, so, so who are the kings? Everybody put up your hand. Every single person in this house, put up your hand right now. Yes, you're right. You are the kings. We are the kings. He is the king of kings. And so each and every one of us are called into co-rulership with Christ. 
we're submitted under Him. But we are called to be rulers in this world. And that's how we take responsibility for bringing the rule of heaven first into our lives by submitting ourselves to Jesus as our King, as our Lord. But then we go out and bring that into our world. And so your business, your classroom, your home, wherever you go, wherever you live, that is the place where you are coming in as a co-ruler with Jesus and you're implementing the rule of heaven in that place. What's the rule of heaven? Love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the will of heaven. It's the principles of heaven. And so God has called each and every one of us to participate in that journey of, of, of bringing His kingdom into this world and through that influencing other people to also step into that relationship with Him. Isn't that amazing? Come on, God has a purpose for you. He, didn't want, he, didn't, he doesn't want you to just mindlessly you know, live and, and then one day go to heaven. There's a lot that He wants us to get busy doing this side of the grave. And it's, it's, all it takes is for you to say, I'm in. Count me in. Help me to work it out in my environment. Help me to work it out in my school. Help me to work it out in my university or in my, in my place of work. Jesus said to another, follow me. He said, certainly. But first excuse me for a couple of days. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus said, no. First things first. Your business is life, not death. Life is urgent. Start announcing God's kingdom. And then he said to another, another, another said, I am ready to follow you. But first, excuse me while I get things straightened out at my home. Jesus said to him, to no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. You need to seize the day. How many of you have said, mm, wait till I finish high school, Lord, then I'll follow you? You may have said that now. You may have said that back in the day. If you said that back in the day, you probably regret saying, regret saying that, and you're glad that you made it your way back to his house right now. How many of you say, wait, let me just finish this deal. Let me just do this stint first. Let me first go on that vacation. I first want to reach this goal, and then I'll serve you. Jesus is saying, no. You have to make a decision to lay that aside and start following me. And I will give meaning, significance, and purpose to your now. It doesn't matter where you are at. It doesn't matter what age you are. Young people, listen to me. You don't have to wait to be great. God has a purpose and a significant calling for you right there where you are right now. You can start following Him in it, and He will bless you. It might not be easy, but trust me, you will, you will be thankful that you gave your youth to Jesus. I gave my youth to God. I gave my youth to God, and I tell you, it set me on a course that I would not have been on. It catapulted me into my destiny and into life like nothing else could have. You want that. You don't want to first make a whole bunch of turns in the world and go and try out things and experiment everywhere and then try and serve Jesus. The junk and baggage it leaves you with is almost something you can't deal with at a later point in your life. And it sets you backwards. Let Jesus catapult you forward by saying yes to Him today. Um, 
Okay, I want to jump into some things that we need to move on from in order to get into this amazing calling and this amazing life that Jesus has for us. The first point is, you can fill these in your blanks on your little page, it says we need to move on from old history. We need to move on from old history, and particularly, I want to say, good history, like victories, successes. You know what's amazing is there was a big part of my life where I would, I would refer back to a season of my life where I was very successful at things. Until somebody made me realize that I was actually living in the past and unable to create my future because I kept, I kept holding on to that time or that, that season that I was successful. And that might be for you successful uh, a previous business that you had or a, a previous occupation that paid good money and now you're not in the same position or a previous season of life where you're successful in something different than what you're doing right now and you hold on to that so dearly, so fondly that you don't realize that God wants you to create a whole new success that you cannot get busy with because you're still holding on to that. God is saying, move on from your history. Like Pumba said, you need to put your past in your behind. I mean, you need to put your past behind you, right? Come on. Are there some Disney fans in the house? <laughs> God wants you to move on even from good things because if you can't move on from them, you can't create the next good thing that He wants you to because your hands are still tied. So that is actually holding you back. You need to appreciate it. But you know what? If you need to, you need to you know, drink to it, but move on from it. Yes, it was good, but it's not where you are right now. And God wants to do something new in your heart, in your life right now. Look at what Isaiah 43 says, verse 18 to 19. Forget the former things. It doesn't say bad things. It says the former things. Whatever lies behind, forget it. Do not dwell on the past, good or bad. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. There was a time in my life where I was such a successful sportsman, I won every accolade that, there was, that was possible at that age to win. And then shortly after that season, I went into a season where like my whole body started moving into like, you know, into this height and nothing worked. It's like I was out of sync with myself. And all of a sudden I went from hero to zero in my school. Like I was the hero. I was like the, the, the victor ligdorum of athletes, athletes, and I got all those awards, etc. And then like within a transition of a year, my body started growing and I couldn't perform in any sport. Nothing, nada. You suddenly realize how quickly people can forget about you if you're not, you know, if you do not perform according to their like, like, like to their, you know, to their liking. Um, and I had to learn to move on from that. I had to learn, all right, I am here now. I am this tall now. <laughs> you need to find something to do with this height, right? But you have to move on from it. And you cannot step into what God has for you next if you stay stuck in that, um, even if it was good things. And then second thing is we need to move on from old habits. How many of you fell into some, some destructive, some binding habits during 2019 that you need to get kind of shake shake off like too much time on a cell phone in front of Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or creating things, too much time in a newspaper or in a magazine or, or too much time on, on TV games or uh, too much time in my work place, 
too much over time because I'm chasing the greenback, you know. I'm, 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 I'm dancing the greenback boogie. I need to make more and more and more. Too much time spent not with my family. Too much time, you know, thinking about things that I need to buy instead of being content and happy with what I have and enjoying that for a while first. Man, we fall into so many little addictive patterns. Too much eating, um, too much shopping, online shopping. And, and all of those things can be little addictive patterns that we need to seriously ask ourselves, which of these things are actually ruining my intentionality in connecting with Jesus? And I'm not even, t- I'm not even talking about health-related uh, uh, addictions, uh, things that, that compromise your health. I'm just talking about, you know, these, these ones. Um, but it doesn't matter what, which one you were addicted to. It takes away from your pursuit and your focus and your intentionality to connect with God and walk with God in your purpose. And so we're going to have a time of uh, prayer and fasting, 21 days, starting from the, t- the 13th of January. And we're going to work through the book of John. And there's going to be morning devotions every day during the week on Facebook. You can go there for that little time. And then after that, shut it down. Um, I have to go there too because <laughs> I have to post them. <laughs> um, but after that, I'm going to shut it down. And I'm going to fast from all forms of social media for that time and really focus on what is it that God wants us to grow in and, and, and get busy with in this, in this new year. We're going to invite you to do the same. Get rid of that habit that's holding you back. It's really stealing from you good things that God wants to add into your life and build into your life, good um, uh, uh, um, building blocks that He wants to put down in your life that enable you to eventually see higher, see farther, have more vision, have more hope. And, and the only person who's, who's you know, keeping you away from that is you. Uh, so take this time of prayer and fasting. You know, fasting isn't when we punish ourselves so that God will have pity on us. <laughs> That's not what fasting, look what the Bible says about fasting. Isaiah 58, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, that you loose the chains of injustice, that you untie cords of yokes and set the oppressed free, that you break every yoke, What's he talking about? He's saying, these are things I need to happen in people's lives. Isn't it time you get busy doing that? In our time of fasting, it's time for us to actually get to know more of what he wants. It's a time to know him better. It's a time to focus and so why we cut out things of our lives, like eating, like media, like, you know, all the, it's because we want to take all the distractions out of the way and say, all right, Lord, let me focus on you. What is it that you want us to do? Who are you that I need to re- realize? What do I need to understand about your purpose and plan for Crowley and how I can get involved in that? That is what a time of prayer and fasting, that's the kind of fasting he wants. It's when we lay down our will, our desires, our bucket lists and our, our goals, and we say, hey, Lord, what is on your bucket list for this place? And let me get in line with that as a priority. And God knows the desires of your heart, but he wants to first ask you, hey, can I transform your heart? Because if I transform your heart, your heart aligns with my heart, now I can give you the desires of your heart because I'm leading your desires. 
I had a desire to one day live and minister overseas. I thought it would come around after retirement. Honestly. And God surprised us one day. Random, random call from Jennings, Louisiana, Pastor Baba McCann. Hey, man of God. <laughs> Pastor Willem said we need to connect. We're like, I was, at first I was like, no, no, this is for retirement. This is not for now. And I'm like, Lord, is this for now? And he's like, it is for now. I need you to respond to this. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I didn't expect this. He knew the desires of my heart. And he gave me the desires of my heart. But you know what? I was full on committed and em like embraced what I had to do what there while I was there. I did not try to get here. God literally miraculously brought us here. It's like I could not have orchestrated this on my own. Seriously. I do not have that much money. There were so many miracles that happened for us to get here. Chuck can tell you about some of them. It's amazing. And, and that's exactly what, what God wants. He wants us to, to get in line with Him. And He will give you the desires of your heart. But His heart and me wanting to bless Him and live and honor Him, that needs to become my most uh, 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 highest uh, um, uh, desire. I need to desire that first and foremost. And lay all that aside and let Him figure that out on my behalf. It's amazing how God orchestrates our lives. You will never, never feel, be, be sad, be sorry about letting Him orchestrate things for you. Um, and then the last thing He wants us to move on from is old hurts. It's pain. It's disappointment. I got hurt in 2019. In this amazing season with everything that's going on, there was still stuff that went wrong. Still stuff where I had to go like, oh my goodness. Okay, Lord. It's okay. But you know what? God wants you to, to, to overcome the pain and the hurt from your past. That event that defined you, He wants to redefine you. He wants you to allow Him to paint over that blotch on your history and create a new painting on the canvas of your life. You know, painters don't have the luxury of using an eraser when they're creating a painting. They have to work with their mistakes. They either have to find a way to cover it up or to incorporate it into the final product. And that's exactly how God does. He will either help you to completely forget that that ever happened and completely be healed from the pain, the disappointment, the shame, and the guilt. And He will either find a way to completely remove that from your, from your existence, the way you feel about things and how you see things, or you'll find a way to incorporate it into a masterpiece moving forward for you. But it can only happen if you allow Him. But His desire is that you will ex allow Him to full-on create the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. He wants to completely redefine you and recreate you into the perfect creation, to the perfect masterpiece that he, is, uh, that, he, that he can only alone do. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now in accounting forms, the word reconcile means to balance to zero, right? So this side, this side of the little line, 
I, wasn't, I didn't do accounting. I know that there's a line in the middle of two values, and they need to match, right? The difference of them shouldn't be a difference. It should be zero. Then your books balance. Or if there, is a if there is a difference, there should be a reason why there's a difference, which in the end still makes a balance. It comes to zero, you know? I think the IRS uh, would very much like there to not be a balance and much profit and then <laughs> charge you all the tax they can get. But the bottom line is to reconcile brings to zero. If you were reconciled in Jesus Christ, guess what happened to your account with God? It's brought to zero. You owe him nothing. Isn't that amazing? You owe him nothing. And he even wants to take those hurts and those painful experiences that's keeping you back from holding forward to be reconciled. Either to be healed to the point where you can move on or to be understood to the point where you can move on. But you need to allow him so that you can move beyond your past. We can't start the next chapter of our life if we keep rereading the last chapter. You have to page forward. And you know, if you page forward, or if you scroll up, the words of the last chapter disappears. You can't read them anymore. And you have to be willing to allow Him to close that and to heal you because that's His desire for you. Um, here's how it happens. It happens through us repenting. It happens through us repenting. When Jesus started preaching, he started echoing the, the sermon that John the Baptist was preaching, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does it mean to repent? I'll tell you what it does not mean. To repent does not mean to be sorry. Is that news to anybody? The Bible says sorrow, if it's godly sorrow, leads to repentance. It is not repentance. It leads you to repentance. So if repentance is not to be sorry, what is, what is repentance then? Well, let's go back to some of those original words that helps describe what meaning we need to derive from the word repentance that was translated into the English word repentance. The first word is the word Greek word metanoia. Metanoia literally means to change your thinking. So that entails you seeing things differently. Your opinion about matters change. It means that you reason differently from how you used to reason about a scenario or a circumstance or an event. You think about it and you come to different conclusions than you usually did because you've changed the way you think about it, right? That's the first aspect of this word metanoia. That is to repent, is to change your thinking. But the second part of it that the translators find kind of difficult to, to, transla to translate and to transfer into the, because there is no real one English word that, that fully um, captures the meaning of the word metanoia, is, is the meta part, which talks about an outer something, an outside something. It talks about the fact that when something internally changes in your thinking, it becomes visible in your actions. Is that a cool? No. 
Let me try and dress it up a little bit better. <laughs> Once you say amen, I'll move on. Um, metanoia literally means to change your mind. To the point where it, bec- where it translates into different lifestyle, different way of living. I think that to be like pretty amazing. Now, for the Catholics in the room uh, who used to be Catholics, this might interest you. When the Bible was translated into Latin, they chose a word that had a negative connotation to it. Because the word repent in the original Greek had no negative connotation to it. They choose the word penitentia. Penitentia. What does that make you think of? Say that. A penitentiary, it was just jail. What religious term does that make you think of? Penitentia. Does anybody hear penance? Penance? Right? And that's where that word comes from. And we know penance to be a sorrowful uh, a, a, a disposition with um, attempts to, uh, to, to rectify, to correct, to pay for what was done wrong. I pay penance, right? Somebody said purgatory. I'm sure I heard that. And that's when repentance started actually becoming a negative connotation, having a negative connotation. It was never meant to have a negative connotation. It was always meant as a, as a, a positive word. It said that you can turn and change. And Jesus' call to repent, because the kingdom of God is near, is a call for positive, life-affirming change. Which means you're excited about the good things that this decision is going to bring to you. That's what it means to repent. It was also used in military terms. When, uh, when, it, when troops were advancing in one direction and a commander or something would shout, repent. They would literally go like this. And they would turn and they would go back from whence they came. It was a complete turnaround activity that said to them, don't do that anymore. Stop. Just, just drop it and go back and do, do this. And, and so the, the whole idea of repentance was always first change of thinking because you now suddenly see things differently that leads you to now live differently. And that's what's so powerful and amazing for, of it, when, when, when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Hear this, listen to this, listen to this. If you're asleep, wake up right now. This is awesome. Okay. Jesus was saying, you used to think according to this set of principles. Religion. I have to work for my uh, favor and, and, and uh, to, to appease. I am bringing a new order in with new principles. The kingdom of God is not a religion. It is a government. A kingdom is a government, isn't it? Come on, are you following me? A kingdom is a set, it's a code. It's an order of business. It happens like this in this domain. And the king dictates how it happens in that domain. It is his order. 
and he orders it to happen that way, and that way it shall happen. Right? Jesus is saying, repent. Stop thinking about religion. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and it operates on faith and grace. And it's based on relationship with me. And it makes you into a son, not a slave. It makes you righteous, no longer a sinner. It absolves you of debt, and no longer keeps you indebted. It takes away all your shame, no longer holds you shameful, regards you shameful. He's saying, see how you've become. See the new way that I'm bringing in. This is how I'm going to rule things. And you know what? Now, no long, not only are you, are you just um, are you, are you, are you, are you servants that become sons, you're also sons that become co-heirs and co-rulers with me in this new order, in this new way of doing things, in this new way of seeing things. He's saying to you, dude, I have so much for you to live in, so much for you to gain, so much for you to stand up in, so much power for you to walk in. Power that takes you out of those habits. Power that takes you out of the fear of man and fear of your friends and fear of what's going to, what other people are going to think and makes you powerfully live for your purpose. Does this excite anybody? It excites me clearly. All right. So it's not a negative word. It's a, it's a word that says like, if you make Jesus your king, he will enable you to live like a king under his leadership. You will become powerful. You will walk in miracles. Walking in power, walking in miracles, like that other song says. That's what he has for you. But you have to say, all right, let me change my thinking. I won't see church as just, all right, me just coming to a service, singing, clapping, right, giving my money, going. This is training ground. This is where I'm taught how I need to change my thinking about who I am. Every Sunday when we sit here, we have an opportunity to transform our thinking to the new kingdom mindset that God wants each and every one of us to walk in, that enables us to win out there in life. And then he says, it's near. It's not far away. It's not like, oh my goodness, you know, one day in the by and by or somehow, somewhere. No, Jesus is in this room right here now by his Holy Spirit, willing to respond to your commitment to say, here I am, Lord, help me, raise me up and use me. So it's time for us to make some changes, amen? Let's get into it. First point, it's time to get closer to Jesus. It's time to get closer to God. And that's, I mean, in this time of fasting, I'm really going to make, make all seriousness with figuring out more things of God, new things of God, His heart and desire for this area. And, and I'm excited about what He's doing. And I hope you are too, and you're pressing in with us during this time. Um, if you want something that you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. So how, how can you approach Jesus differently this year? Can you spend 15 minutes a day this year just reading the Word of God, memorizing a scripture that you can take with you into the day? That's not much of an effort, but it's just, it needs intentionality. It just needs you to decide to do it, and then you'll do it. Um, and, and what would your life look like if you spent all 52 of your Sundays in a church, even when you were traveling, or even if you were out somewhere where there was no church, that you pulled a couple of people together, and you guys were the church where you were? Well, how would your life look differently if you don't knit one, skip one, knit one, skip one? Come on. What would it look like? 
if in this time of prayer and fasting, you broke off some habits and started some new ones that actually intentionally connects you with Jesus, you could look powerfully different by the end of this year. Um, Number two, it's time to get honest with friends. That's why this church is the church of life groups. I cannot emphasize enough to you how important it is for us to be involved in life groups. It is the greatest blessing in life to get to trust a couple of people around you that get to know stuff about you and still love you, still accepts you, still champions you, still believes in you. I've been hurt by people too. I've been disappointed, stabbed in the back plenty of times. But how the love and the support I've received far outweighs the hurts I've gotten. So I want to encourage you, if you were hurt, just stay in the game. At the end of the day, the balance is overwhelmingly awesome to be in a a trusting relationship with other people that walk along with you. Where you, where, you can, where you can ask you to pray with you, go through hard things, help you to share wisdom, consider things, decisions that you need to make. Just have an echo. Have people say, say stuff to you that you wouldn't think of yourself. There's so much benefit in being honest with some people. You don't have to be you know, honest with everybody, but you have to be honest with somebody. Definitely, definitely. And um, so James 5.16 says, If you confess your, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, you will be healed. And listen, sins here doesn't just refer to, um, you know, uh, um, the things that you did wrong. It also refers to things that you wanted to do and missed or didn't do, you know, good intentions that you didn't follow through on. If you confess that to people and say, hey, help me get to this, people can help you and you can be stronger together. If you want to go fast, just do everything alone. But if you want to keep going for life, you have to do it with other people. It's a fact. Three, it's time to get in tune with my purpose and my passions. Galatians uh, 6 verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. The the best thing you can do for yourself is to realize what you're not. That I am not that person, but I am still valuable. And get in tune with who you are. Figure out and discover what God has placed on the inside of you that can be a blessing to people around you. The greatest joy in this life is is, is to be able to be a blessing to other people. By far, by far. Knowing that you actually helped somebody else is far bigger than a blessing than having received help from somebody. Isn't it so? Isn't it so? Come on. It is true. But we sometimes are paralyzed in trying to help people because we don't know who we are. We don't know what we got to give. Each and every one of you have been blessed with great gifts to give to other people. Some of you can help other people with their studies. Some of you can help other people with their businesses. Think about how awesome it can be if you're a successful businessman, you take a struggling businessman on your wing and tell him, let me in on it. I don't need anything from you. I just want to be a blessing to you. I want to coach you in business. Think about that. Think about how we can help each other. Guys, this is real life I'm talking about. It doesn't just entail what we do here on the Sunday. Although everything that happens here 
enables us to be hearing words like these that can catapult us from thinking this way to thinking who we are and how we can make a difference. And so you're a part of it. If you make anything in this service happen, you're creating an environment for us to accept the new order that Jesus brought and to change, to repent from how we used to do life. If, if, I, can t- if I can ask you this, this year, don't do anything alone. If you're starting a new anything, try to get somebody to look while you're doing it. Even if that thing fails horribly, you'll have taught another person not to do that. (laughs) All right? And that's how we can serve one another. But how do we get to know what is inside of us? Well, that's why we do next step. And as we speak, my wife is presenting next step at, at, at Mr. Gaddy's and taking a couple of people through a process of just understanding what gifts God has blessed them with and giving them an opportunity to start living those gifts out in service of other people. It's just the start. But some of the, you, that's exactly what you need. You need to understand how do I start giving some of myself to other people. Well, start by understanding what God has placed on the inside of you. And next month, when Next Step comes around, sign up for Next Step during the service time, the second, first and second week. And then the last thing is it's time for us to do something greater than ourselves. Do something greater than ourselves. You cannot do something greater than yourself if you are not with other people. If you're just with you, it's still just going to be as big as you. You can only give what you have. But there's this principle that says that the, the, the sum of the parts does not equal the whole. The whole is always bigger than the sum of the parts, which means that if you and I come together, a multiplication effect takes place. It's not just two and two makes four. It's two times two makes four. That one didn't work. Um, it's not just <laughs> three, three plus three makes six. It's three times three makes nine. We have a greater effect. See, that's why you have to be three and more, I guess. Okay, so. <laughs> but you get the principle, right? Together we achieve more. Together we're more stronger than what we are just apart. And, um, and that's what's so awesome about joining in a spiritual family. Joining in on what somebody is doing. If somebody's doing something good and you're not busy doing anything, don't think that you can do something better. That's dumb. Just get in on what's being done. That's good. And make it better. Right? Because you adding you it's going to bring a whole newness into whatever you're adding yourself to. And it's going to have some of you in it. And you're going to be able to participate and, 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 and give. But you're going to f- make something happen that's bigger than you. And be a part of something bigger than you. So, man, we want to be, we want to be a, a blessing in our, in our region, in our communities. We want to transform these places. To see God's order of, of business happening in, in our cities. I believe a church can build a city. If they, if they really operate as the church outside the four walls. And that's our heart and our hope that we will be that in our city. We need a, but we need you. We need you to say, yes, we'll do this together. We'll join in. 
And yes, there are other church families in this town, and, and that's great. I'm asking you to join ours. I'm asking, please, put your weight with us. Not so that we can compete with the churches. No, so that we can stand against the enemy's advance. We bless every other church in this town, and we hope that they prosper just as much as we are prospering. And if you want to go join them, God bless you. But just join somewhere. What I'm asking today, consider becoming a part of the spiritual family. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your perspective. We need your input. We need your hands. We need your feet to make this city transformed into something that looks more like heaven for people and for God. That way we can truly transform and make, make something great, great difference happen in this place. So here's the reality. We can't change the beginning, how things started for us. We can't change the history, how things happened for us. But we can start here where we are today. I can start where I am, and I can change the outcome. I can change the ending. We can change the ending, right? Come on. We can change the ending. Your life doesn't have to keep going in the direction that it is currently going. It can be more. It can be different. Because the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is right here with you. He's waiting for you to respond and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. And so with that, I want to say 2020 is going to be a great year. It's going to be an awesome year. And I look forward to walking it out with you guys and seeing how God moves in our midst, how God moves in your life, and how God moves in our city. Let's all stand. Maybe you're in, in point one today. It's time to get closer to God. Maybe it's time for you to connect to God for the first time. Most of us in this room have made this decision. We've come to an understanding that I cannot change myself. Let alone change, even more so, not change. I can't, I can't save myself from the penalty that I am due because of my sinful nature. I can't save myself. No amount of so-called penance will, will help. It needs a perfect work. And that's why we believe in Jesus Christ because He did a perfect work on the cross, paying all of our debt, absolving us of the need to pay to be accepted by God. And if you realize that this is a true event that happened and you're willing to put your trust in that alone, that's what the Bible says. You're putting your faith in Jesus. And, if, and it says that if you do that, your spirit man, a miracle will take place and you will be made alive and able to connect back into a relationship with God. If you want that today, just put up your hand. If you've never done that, if you've never reached that place where you've put your hand in Jesus' hand and say, I believe in you. Thank you. I see three hands. Is that all I see? Four hands. Thank you. I see those hands. You're going to pray with me a prayer of confession right now. And I want to ask every one of us to, from the bottom of our hearts, just join these people in making this confession. Say this out loud and pray it to the Lord as your confession of faith in Him. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe on the cross. You took my sin and my shame and my guilt and you died for it. I believe that you paid the price for me. 
and you faced hell for me so I would not have to. Come on, say, I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven and a relationship with God the Father and a purpose here on earth. Today, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and I submit to you as my Lord. Amen.